You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. G'day, I'm Tim, and uh, we're going to do something a little bit different over these uh, next three weeks. We've done it before. Um, It's called Biblical Storytelling, and so we're a church with a variety of ages, and we're a church that wants to be learning together uh, from God, and a really good way to do it is through thinking about the stories of the Bible and, and sort of telling them as stories and then engaging with them. So it's a bit different. If you've come along here for the first time today, what we're going to do is, in a few minutes, I'm going to tell the story from the Bible. And then we've got a bunch of questions. Uh, Joel, if you can just put those up on the screen, which we use, and they can be used for really any Bible passage that you might come across. Uh, And I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk with people around you about these questions once I've told the story. Now, if you're here for the first time and you're like, I really don't want to talk to anyone, I just sort of came here to sit and to check what this is all about, that's fine. Just say pass to the person next to you. Uh, But if you're willing to engage, it's a great way to sort of uh, engage, uh, think about it with someone else, introduce yourself to those around you, and uh, we'll kind of learn together in this way. Um, So the questions are, you know, what do you like about this story? Uh, Don't say what you like about the way that I tell the story or how bad it was. Um, Think about the story itself and what you like about that. What questions might people have? They could be your questions, but you could be thinking, oh, if I told this story to someone else maybe who who never comes to church, they would have a whole series of questions that they might ask. They're good to think about. Uh, Then the third and fourth questions go a bit deeper. What do we learn about people in this story? And what do we learn about God or Jesus? Now, the story that I'm going to tell you today, the the story that we're looking at over the next few weeks comes from the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible, hundreds of years before Jesus. And you might think, well, what could you learn about Jesus if you're hearing a story, say, hundreds of years before him? But as Christians, we believe that the whole of the Bible centers on Jesus. He is the the focus, and really the one who the whole Bible is about. So even when you're looking at stuff in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, it's actually pointing forwards to Jesus who is going to come. And so it may well be that there's stuff to be learnt about Jesus um, as we go through the story. So what do you learn about God? That'll be more obvious in this story. What do you learn about Jesus? That's a bit harder, perhaps. Uh, And then... What are you going to do this week in response to this story? So we believe that when we come to the Bible, it's God's word, and God has something to say to us, which we want to put into practice. We don't want to just go away having heard a nice story or having read some of God's word and not actually do anything. So what is it that you personally, what are are we going to do having heard this story? And then the last one's kind of a bit of a bonus. If you're really brave, you want extra points, you don't earn points, but if you know, who could you tell this story to this week? So the stories that we're looking at are about Elijah. Now, some of you would know about Elijah as this Bible character, but I know lots of you might never have even heard of Elijah. You might not know who he is. And so we're going to sort of look through stories in his life, what he got up to over the next three weeks, 
and then we're going to pick that up again next school holidays, so we'll cover all of Elijah's life. Uh, hopefully that's straightforward. I'll give you those questions as, as we go and get you to think about them. Um, but without further ado, let's have a think about the story. So the year is 870 BC, and Ahab sits on the throne of Israel. Ahab is the most evil king that the nation of Israel has ever known. He and his wife, Queen Jezebel, are leading the people of Israel away from worshipping the God of Israel to worship idols and gods like Baal and Asherah, gods of the surrounding nation. There's even child sacrifice that's taking place in the country of Israel. And so God's man on the spot is Elijah, the prophet, and he sends him to confront the king. Elijah went to Ahab and said, I serve the living God, the God of Israel, and as surely as God lives, there will not be any rain and there will not be any dew on the land for the next few years. No rain will come until I give the word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Go away from here, head east to the Kerith Valley and stay there. You can drink water from the stream and I've directed the ravens to supply you with food. So Elijah went east to the Kerith Valley and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank water from the stream. Sometime later, the stream dried up because there hadn't been any rain on the land. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah and told him, go to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So Elijah went to Zarephath. As he arrived at Zarephath and he got to the town gates, he noticed that there was a widow there picking up some sticks. And he said to her, Please, could you get me some water in a jar? I really need a drink. So she headed off to get him some water. As she was going, he called out to her, Oh, and can you please bring me a piece of bread as well? I don't have any bread, she said. And that's as sure as the Lord your God lives. All I've got is a handful of flour and a small jug of oil. I'm collecting up these sticks to go home and prepare a meal for me and my son. We'll eat it and then we'll die. Don't be afraid, Elijah said. Go home and do exactly as you've said. But first... Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you've got and bring it to me. Then go and prepare something for you and your son. For hear what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you. The flour you have will not run out and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord brings rain on the land. The woman went and did exactly as Elijah had told her. And there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her son. 
The jar of flour did not run out. The jug of oil did not run dry. It happened exactly as the Lord had said it would happen, exactly as the word spoken from Elijah. Sometime later, the woman's son got sick. He got worse and he got worse and finally he stopped breathing. The woman said to Elijah, What have you got against me, man of God? Did you come here to remind me of my sin? Why have you killed my son? Elijah said, Give the boy to me. And he took him from her arms and he carried him upstairs to the room where he was staying and he laid him down on his bed. And then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, I'm staying with this widow. Why have you brought this tragedy upon her? Why have you caused her son to die? And he laid himself down on the boy three times. And then he cried to the Lord, Lord God, give this boy his life back. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and he brought the boy back to life. Elijah picked him up, carried him down back into the house and handed him back to his mother. Look, your son is alive, he said. The woman said, Now I know that you are a man of God. And I know that the word of the Lord spoken from your mouth is the truth. Okay, that's the story. Um, first two questions, thanks, Joel. Uh, grab the person next to you, introduce yourself if you don't know them, uh, and then chat for two minutes. What do you like about this story? What questions might people have? Go for it. Okay, still a hum of conversation, that's okay. Um, I might cut you off early a couple of times tonight, and if you want to keep the conversation going, you can do it over a cup of tea after the service, that's fun. Call out, what do people like about this story from the Bible? Yep, just yell it out. The birds gave him food, how cool is that? We've got, we've got all sorts of questions about what sort of meat those birds might have brought him. Certainly wouldn't have been a steak, a nicely cooked steak. <laughs> Could have been pretty feral stuff. But anyway, yep, the birds brought him food. What else? What did people like? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Hadn't thought about that. Yep, that's good. What else? Anything you like? Going, going. It has a happy ending, doesn't it? The boy comes back to life. Yeah. What questions might people have? If you don't have any, I've got heaps. Yep. How did the son die? It doesn't actually say. It just says that he got sick, but we don't know what sort of sick. Yeah. What other questions? Why the ravens? Yeah. Other questions? Yep. I'm not. Yep. Exactly. How did he know? Obviously, God has said something to him. How did she know to trust him? Pretty brave. 
Yep. Yeah. And there's a bigger question, I reckon, when you hear a story like this where God does something miraculous like that, it could raise questions for you like, okay, so if God's powerful enough to do that, why doesn't he do it all the time? Why didn't he do it for my friend's kid who died? It raises all sorts of questions. You know, if God is powerful and able to do it, why did he do it in this case, which was great, but why doesn't he do it at other times as well? Yeah, did God, she was sort of blaming Elijah for coming and somehow causing the boy to die, but is that actually true or was she just feeling upset and angry? Look, you might be here tonight and very new to church and this whole story is full of bizarre stuff for you. I mean, really? Flour and oil that doesn't sort of run out? Can you really believe that stuff and people coming back to life? Like this is full of some miraculous sort of things. Um, and it may be pretty challenging for you, um, this whole idea of, you know, do miracles actually happen? Um, as Christians, we believe in uh, a God who is all-powerful and so that these things are possible for him. They don't happen all the time, but the Bible is full of these stories. But they do challenge us, particularly when they're really concrete things like flour and oil that we kind of know about and we know that if you use them, they go. So, yeah, there could be some questions that people have about this. Now, normally I'd tell the story again, but it's a pretty long story, so we're just going to jump to the next two questions, take you a bit deeper, give you a few more uh, minutes to chat with the people around you. What do you learn in this story about people? What do you learn about God slash Jesus? Go for it. Okay. Who wants to throw out something that you learnt about people from this story? Normally this is an easier question. When you come to the Bible, sort of the, the people question is easier than the God one. But in some ways in this passage, this is, a, this is a bit harder. You've got to sort of think and dig a bit deeper. But any thoughts what people learnt about people? Ah, oh, over there. Go, Benny. People can be bad and evil. We've got King Ahab, he's a baddie. And what's more, you've got people who follow him in his badness. Sorry, Jack. Go on. <laughs> yep. Who are you thinking of in particular in the story? Yeah, it's interesting. So she lives outside of the nation of Israel. Um, that may not be obvious, but Zarephath's sort of out. It's a foreign country. And the language that she uses in the story, you might have noticed, she talks about your God. Okay, it's your God to start with. But then she goes on this faith journey, doesn't she, through, and she gets the punchline at the end. She gets the final word in this story. I know the word that, you, that God has spoken through you is the truth. She gets the... So she sort of has journeyed a bit in her trust. But yeah, she's initially untrusting. She, it's, it's your God, the God of your country, not necessarily my God, but then she kind of gradually goes. Yeah. Any other? There are. Yep. Yep. It's not necessary... 
lots of people in the story, but their variability, and there's, but there's a very humanness there too, you know, in terms of the grief and the reaction, the anger, the things that she says. Nick? Yep. Absolutely, yep. And there's, there's honesty with God from both the woman and Elijah. I mean, she directs it at Elijah because he's the God person, he's the man of God, and she's able to be angry when her son dies. But then Elijah yells at God too. So there's this kind of honesty that's going on with God, and that's cool. God doesn't go, uh-uh, you guys, sorry, you got angry with me, forget me doing anything for you. He hears what they have to say. There's that sense you often see in the Bible that actually just expressing your emotions to God, telling exactly what's going on, God wants us to do that and he responds to it. So you get the human emotion and you get God responding to it. What do we learn about God? I'm going to have a crack at that one, um, which may be different from what you talked about, but here's some of the things that I've been thinking about as I've been sort of learning this and mulling over it in my head. Through the story on a number of occasions, this whole idea about God being the living God comes up. So Elijah describes him as the living God. Both the woman and Elijah say things like, as surely as the Lord lives. So God is portrayed as a God who is alive. And he's contrasted with the idols that the people are going to worship. Because God is alive, that means he's powerful. He can do things like, stop the rain for a period of time. He can direct birds and people to supply the food that is needed. And interestingly, he's directed the widow to supply food. She doesn't even know where it's coming from, but God's got it in hand because he's a living God. But ultimately, one of the contrasts you see in the Bible, the fact that God is living, is that he speaks Because he's alive, he actually speaks and he communicates, and we can relate to him. He's a living God who speaks. And the Bible often does this contrast between the living God, the true God who speaks, contrasted with idols which are deaf, they can't actually hear, and they're mute, they cannot speak. But God is living and God can communicate with us. And the word of the Lord... God speaking to people and them responding is actually a key theme through the story leading up to that punchline where the woman says, I realise that you are speaking true words from God. God's actually communicating through you. And if you want to trace that forward, thinking about going from this Old Testament story forward in the Bible to what this has to say about Jesus, um, you see that Jesus himself in the book of John is described as the Word of God, the Word who becomes flesh, that God's ultimate communication with people comes through His Son who lives amongst us, Jesus Christ. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, that's God communicating with us, His Word. And when you hear the words of Jesus spoken, that's God communicating with us as well. John describes Jesus as full of grace and truth. Um, In the book of Hebrews, It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in many times, and many times and in various ways, people like Elijah. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. That definitively, God speaks through his son, Jesus Christ, 
And as we hear the words of Jesus, we need to respond with obedience in the way that Elijah did it and the woman did ultimately in following what that true word from God was. So there's, because God is living, he's able to be related to and he speaks to us. And there's a challenge to us as to how we're going to respond to those words that come from God. And that kind of brings us to the last two questions. I'm just going to get you to think quietly. You can talk to the person next to you if you want to, but you might just want to take a moment to say, okay, I've been thinking about some of these things, particularly around what we learn about people and God. What is this story saying to me about what I need to do this week in response to the story? Just take a moment. You might want to write it down or just type it into your phone. Um, And then I'm going to gather that together and pray for us, asking for God's help to do it. So just take a moment. What are you going to do this week in response to this story? So let me pray. Loving God, we thank you that you are a living God, you are alive, and that you do want to be in relationship with us. We thank you that you do speak to us through your word. You speak to us through your son, Jesus Christ. You speak to us through your Holy Spirit. You speak to us through your written word, the Bible. And we want to be people who are not just hearers of your word, but people who put it into practice. And so we bring before you these things that we've just resolved to do this week. And we ask that you would give us the wisdom we need, the strength we need, the courage we need, the love we need, whatever we need in order to do this thing that we've resolved to do. We ask that you would give it to us because we also recognise that you are a God who supplies our needs, that you give us the things that we need in order to be faithful to you and to put your word into practice. So we ask you by your Holy Spirit to strengthen and empower us and as we go from here to put your word into practice. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 